Hello and welcome to this week's Stats One podcast with me, James York, and was that my cue? Yeah, Rusty. I don't remember how to do this anymore. Rusty. Like I seriously, people just podcast all the time. Is that what they do? I think so. We've missed the I, boat now, Ted. I I don't even work in this sport. Why am I here today? It's a super popular uh, medium that we had a relatively successful podcast in that we stopped doing because we were busy doing other things. But that's we just okay. don't like we just don't like to be popular, James. We're like the like anything that's popularity, we just shun that. Well, yeah. Talking of popularity, today we're going to talk about the Queen's Jubilee and uh, seventy years, <laughs> seventy years of Queen analytics, Royal the Johnny Depp analytics. and Amber Heard trial. We're not talking about that bloody hell. <laughs> <sighs> Yes. You, you've been following it too much. How about I Wagatha haven't. Christie? At least Wagatha Christie is like in our range, right? Yeah, Wag- Wagatha Christie just is silly, isn't it? Johnny Depp is just grim. Like, mm. uh, anyway. I concur. Wagatha, Wagatha Christie is brilliant, though. And in, in fact, my, my wife was like, why are you paying any attention to that? I was like, first of all, have you seen the transcripts? <laughs> They're incredible. And second of all, it's called Wagatha Christie. How could you not pay attention to something like that? It's very important. We haven't had a ruling on either yet, either of these these massive uh, trials. So you've been paying close enough attention that you you know we haven't had a ruling on Wagner Christie. Ted, you're on Twitter. You, you, you'd, know, you'd know if something had happened. Like this, it's impossible to avoid. Anyway, all right. So we have something. We have things that we have to talk about today. They are not the jubilee. They are nobody's trials. Some tribulations, perhaps. Where do you want to kick off, Ted? Ooh, the kickoff. That's great. Analytics are on kickoffs. <laughs> that's not going to... Yeah, that's... I mean, just hoy it long into the corners, isn't it? That's the... It's a short segment. We'll put it that way. Um, right, so, yeah. Enough enough vamping. Um, so, we have a new expected goals model at StatsBomb <clears throat> that we wanted to introduce to everybody. And some of you will only allow us to talk to you via podcast as a medium, so that's why we're here. Um, uh, so yeah, we had that and then we had a bunch of job postings and we kind of wanted to talk about like, you know, the state of the football world, which is also interesting. Um, just today, actually, uh, Redbird were announced officially taking over AC Milan, Mm. who are the current Italian champions. Uh, shout outs to our boys there. Um, we have a variety of boys there. In fact, we have a, a long relationship with Milan since, um, Elliot took them over. Uh, so it's been great to see them succeed. Um, and and those of you who don't know, Redbird actually are the investment vehicle for, I mean, it's a big PE fund, but um, Billy Bean and Luke Bourne, longtime friends of the StatsBomb podcast, uh, are involved in that group as well. Uh, they also you know piloted Toulouse to uh, the champions of Ligue 2 in France. And so they will be in Ligue 1 next year. I'm sure they'll be going toe-to-toe with uh, PSG for the title. It's interesting, isn't it? Like this, the the whole kind of like private equity world um, and football have become ever closer. More and multi club groups, you know, we're kind of you know friendly with quite a few of them as it goes. And it's um, yeah, it's been quite interesting to see that kind of development in in football across actually you know, multi competitions and you know many nations. Yeah, I mean ownership is changing a lot. Like it used to be a local criminal, and and now you're seeing lots of things adjust. Ted, I and think some... you should Ted. That's enough there. <laughs> I'm sorry, a local alleged criminal? Is that what I was supposed to talk about? I was just wondering what you are going to say next, knowing you well and having done many podcasts with you. (laughs) It's always a a chance to intervene. I was going to say now it's respected businessmen. Oh, right, sorry. Yeah, okay. 
that's fine. All is all is well in the world. He but was yeah, just worried about the extra work it would take for him to edit out the comments that were going to get us in trouble with legal. <laughs> yes, Ted. We're least well. This is the thing. This part of the reason we don't get regular podcasts these days is because we are an ever-growing large business uh, with many clients. That in the old days we'd have probably upset too many people. Yeah, the, um, the, for those of you who are longtime fans uh, that have missed some of the, <laughs> I would say the more recent, but the the later sequenced podcasts. Um, yeah, we stopped doing it because some of the, the owners slash directors of football asked us to stop doing it because we, we leaked too much good information. And thus, you get the occasional one, uh, which is right now. So, right. Um, actually, the, the sort of PE ownership group thing is a, is a good segue to talk to something that's not about expected goals. We'll get to that. Uh, but um, we posted a couple of job postings on... Uh, on Satsbomb Twitter and on the job board. And we always have job postings, to be honest with you. Um, we have been hiring so many people experiencing hyper growth. Um, and that's, that's both painful, but also great to see. Uh, but we, <clears throat> we do have a, a consultancy arm that originally I killed. <laughs> it's like, all right, <laughs> we've done enough of that. Like, it's too hard to sell, et cetera. Uh, but yeah, we've got exclusive consultancy arm that we work with one group and um, they have multiple clubs. And so we posted out um, a job posting for basically a trainee assistant director of football uh, because there aren't very many of these in the European world and uh, it's necessary for, for that and quite useful for that. And so we took on the task to, to train somebody up kind of in, in our way of working um, and there's a lot of variety in that. We got over 200 applicants for that role and we're sort of in the, the sort of later stakes of, of seeding or working through those. And then we also posted a couple of scout jobs and we got 500 applicants for that in six days uh mm. it's kind of weird we don't actually own a football club but yeah i mean people want to work in football and uh, you know many thanks to everyone who's implied and you know apologies if um you know if you don't make it through but you can understand uh, if you're listening in now like how competitive these roles are and i think that's you know that's the nature of things interestingly other roles that don't involve like directly doing football stuff sometimes less competitive but you know the the point i'm trying to make is that you know we do have roles all across the organization and um maybe they suit you the, the listener maybe they suit people you know your family or friends or whatever um so keep checking out the jobs board but yeah we should see some some movement on the on those jobs like relatively soon i think and there are quite a few scout roles aren't there so there's um you know in particular that's one that's going to be populated we had a number of ex-footballers apply for, for some of the roles as well. Um, and, and one of the things we, we intentionally took off the role was, like, you don't have to have worked in a football team. Like that, I, I think that in some cases that gives you bad habits that we were hoping to avoid. Not that it's, you know, a negative necessarily, but, you know, th these roles are also quite different. And the, the director football role is one where, like, you need to be comfortable talking about concepts and ideas and whatever in a room. Like, you also need to be comfortable learning better ways to, to play football and how to evaluate players and stuff like that. But it's it's quite a different role than the normal analyst quant stuff that we usually put out. It's interesting as well, because in, in the past, we've had quite a lot of success by hiring the right the right person and then, you know, finding finding a role for them to fit into. <clears throat> it's the, the, the inevitable tensions of hiring is, um, you know, because you want people to, <laughs> if you could pre-select for is motivated, cares, works hard and all those kind of things, uh, that would be great, but. <laughs> hiring's a, a challenging task for all, I think. But we have a great team here and sure. super excited about the, the newcomers that, that come aboard as well. 
Uh, let's see. What did we want to talk about? Oh, the state of the world, James. In what regard? Football world. Football world. Um, you're going to mention all these champions, aren't you? That's the that's the subtle subtle point here. <laughs> lots of people, lots of no... people using data, and um, you know, quietly, lots of people using our data to to empower their systems and their processes and their recruitment and their match analysis. So, how long have we been doing this? Being successful. Thing, well, yeah, I mean, the the blog goes all the way back to 2013. The consultancy and such. 2016 is it 2016 yeah yeah, yeah. and then you know, the data was 2018 That's right. and so yeah now now we're on the verge of new sports as well so it's have it's we have we been talking about how football is going to change for nearly a decade now <laughs> yeah i think that's the funny thing isn't it Everyone's, you could see it coming you could see it coming a long way off and there are various checkpoints where you're like oh maybe it's not quite there yet i always i always kind of go back to it was when you'd gone to Brentford. <clears throat> I've said this to you quite recently, I think, as well. It seemed like it was like it was quite early in the in this in the scheme of things. And um, I remember there was an Opta Pro forum that um, that we all loads of us went to, and you kind of like people were looking around, going like, oh, "I don't think I'm not sure that the the clubs are ready to really pick this up with in you know with with uh, you know with much kind of vigor." And um, you know that's six years ago. And it was early. That's the thing. It was relatively. Don't get me wrong. You know, did credit to people who were around many years before that, and you know, did various things inside clubs. But the, the mass adoption that we've seen um, in more recent years has come kind of come in that segment, and it does coincide with us, uh, you know, turning it into, you know, turning it into the work that we do and the you know the data that we collect. It's it, you know, it's not all us. It's definitely not. It, like a fraction of us, but you know, we have been talking about this for a long time and talking about how there were going to be job openings in this space. And actually they're very competitive job openings in this space. And people are getting big raises in the last couple of years because they realize that talent is super important here. And, you know, it helps you save lots of money elsewhere or get better talent for uh, a smaller budget. Um, we've been doing this so long that recent threads about, you know, people's favorite content creators and, and writers in the analytics space don't include anyone from StatsBomb because we <laughs> all of our old stuff has just disappeared from memory despite the fact that everyone seems to use a lot of our, our frameworks, <clears throat> derivative or otherwise, um, to, to produce new analysis and especially visualization. Life moves on, Ted. you got you got to be, you got to be, I don't know, Ted TikToks. That's how to get you thrown back, you know. No? <laughs> King of football analytics TikToks. Come on, that's, that's got to be tempting. It took like a year before Pugsley and I even bothered to do a, a podcast, so <laughs> I'm pretty skeptical on the visual. I did record a job posting. That's about as far as that's we're going to get on. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so 17 champions. Uh, way to bury the lead there, James. <laughs> yeah, I haven't actually looked at the uh, people in the, the company of uh, looked up these numbers i haven't actually looked at which ones they are and they, they, but this happens now doesn't it we, we've got a situation where it's like i genuinely don't know who all of our customers are on any given day and have to go and check sometimes because it's got a bit there's a lot of them right 
Yeah, I, I don't know either. Uh, it, it actually happens where somebody's like, oh, yeah, I've been using your platform. I was like, e- I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it used to be, you know, every single customer and, and you have a, a good relationship with them. We have great relationships. It's just not directly with either of us. James is now director of football uh, across our football product. So not director of a football team. But, no. um It's Sassbaum, but he, he oversees all football-y things. Um, yeah, so 17 domestic champions. That includes like, you know, lower leagues down not just like the top leagues um uh because we like to to be fully transparent i believe there are five relegations uh three of which came from a league where we had 14 customers so uh you know, that's it, the problem it, isn't it you, eventually <laughs> eventually it's hard to hard to not get relegations involved yeah. as well but i mean yeah. it I, I i would still stand you know quite firm on the on the fact that you know the teams that are bringing in analytics and um, you know data-led kind of processes are well set for the future. And you know if you can't be the team, the last team in the league to do it, like that's that's what's what's that going to make your future look like? It's not going to be good. It's so, actually dangerous, right? Because right. like you know possibly you know you're more likely to get relegated. You're certainly more likely to be taken advantage of the of the transfer market. And and one of the things that I I you know. I, those of you who follow our Twitter like and see stuff, all this stuff, then this isn't a, you know, a new thing. But one of the things that I always suggested to investors over the, the course of the last sort of three, four years is that there were over a thousand potential customers just in soccer and professional soccer for, for StatsBomb. And I always got pushback on that. They're like, oh, well, you know, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Like, we just believe that, you know, sort of the top tier customers will be the ones to pay for it. We had two automatic promoted teams and two playoff teams, including a third promoted team, in League Two, which is the fourth league down in England. Like, these are teams that people said would never have the money to be able to invest in this. And yet you're seeing them, you know, pay anywhere between 10 to 25K a year for this type of stuff. Now, part of it is, is that, you know, you're able to be more productive and more efficient with software and data that's good. But part of it is that, like, hey, this stuff works all the way down the, the pyramid and it works all around the world. And, and that is really sort of the story behind StatsBomb. Like, we figured out that everybody was going to need this stuff. We figured out the best data to be able to power it, the things that actually matter inside of the sport. Can we measure it? Can we put that into expected goals, et cetera? Can we find new ways on a regular basis to evaluate players, uh, OBV, et cetera, which again, we're going to have a new post on that. And we'll talk about that in a second. But it's super important to remember that like there are, you know, over a thousand professional teams in like the first and second division across the whole world we collect 104 competitions on the men's side we collect i think uh nine competitions on the women's side and everybody can use this stuff and that's what we've been talking about for a long time and it's nice to see a lot of that validated in the future not just from us but from many many other people too like we tend to cite all of our past references uh in in when we produce new visualizations that are new to us but not necessarily new to others um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see, uh, and it's, it's the result of a lot of smart people, you know, predicting the future and then working hard to make it happen. Yeah. And I think it speaks to process as well. Like the, you know, the, 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 there's, there's, there's a few kind of like slow roll stories as well, where a team in like, say the second division of any given country that, um, I won't name, but you know, um, has potentially become a customer with us two, three years ago. And then you've seen the progress that they've made and you know it might have taken them a year or two years and then they've got promoted and then they're in the top league and it's like yeah that's it's it's all about just 
orientating things. I mean, when I we did um, we did the courses, we haven't done um, we haven't done one recently. But the one I did on modern scouting and recruitment, at least as much of that that course was about just organising your um, your team and your club and setting it up in the best way that you could that you can actually you know benefit from smart decision making and um, you know being accountable across you know all of your processes and yeah it's really nice to see you know smaller clubs that are maybe thinking right actually we can we can compete here um, you know there's not a lot of difference in a lot of um, countries between a team that's kind of like mid table in the second tier and teams that are in the bottom of you know a top tier so if you orientate yourselves well and um, you know make some good decisions and kind of back you know back your back your staff with uh, the right processes then you can you can reap benefits and you know the top divisions are way more lucrative than the second division so it really pays to kind of uh, work your way out of them if you can so on our website we uh, Dinesh Vetvani who's our our head of data science uh, produced a piece on May 16th about upgrading expected goals uh, so we're going to talk through that in a second. We've also got another piece coming not too long uh, that is an investigation of what I feel like is the, the zombie German metric that has existed for like, you know, six, seven, eight years called packing. Um, so Will, Will Thompson and the data science team like took a look at that. And, and for some reason, like packing has maintained some level of popularity in Germany. You'll occasionally hear it come out in the media from a German coach. Uh, I will leak some of the findings and say that, like, you know, possession value, OBV type stuff, much, much better in terms of, um, you know, correlation between things that you care about, like giving up goals and not giving up goals and ball progression and, and all that type of stuff. So uh, for whatever reason, packing still exists in, in the lexicon, but the reality is, you know. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? It's the tension between, like, things, something that's just, it's, it's counted stats and modeling, isn't it? Again, this, this, this eternal tension between, like, um, you know, people are people for some reason kind of just tune into tune into like counting stats, and it's like okay, they feel safe and anchored on there. But that it isn't. You know, that is certainly not the best way to analyze uh, analyze sports. You know, you you want better work, you want more advanced work, you want data scientists to get stuck in and model processes and understand, you know, what's what's strong and what's weak about uh, you know any given thing that you're looking at. And I think that's a really good example of that because. Yeah, as you say, the you know possession value kind of OBV um, method of looking at the game is actually way more kind of precise than this semi kind of simple. Well, basically fairly simplistic. You know, uh, the ball went from here to here, and this many people were in between it. It's yeah, it's interesting because I mean the, that tension goes all the way back to shots. You know, shots and expected goals. Uh, at this point, no one's actually still arguing that. You know, you should just count shots and ignore expected values. And I think we'll probably get to a stage, a similar stage with um, the kind of possession models as we go forward. And people will understand that that difference is, is valid and the intricacies you can get out of the modeling are, you know, more valuable than this kind of one hit simple number that you get out of the packing metric. Yeah. And, and you can kind of pull it apart, right? Like we know that the center of the pitch is more valuable than the wide areas. And so like simply counting how many defenders you bypass with a pass out wide, not nearly as, as valuable as, as bypassing a, a smaller amount of players uh, in, in many cases in, in the central area, depending on how many are, are remaining. And then there's like the, the bits about, well, when you bypass the entire back line, then it, it's super valuable and it's super highly correlated to, uh, to winning, which, you know, 
any sort of data scientist is, is going to pick that apart immediately because it's a very small select set of data samples there. And, and once again, you know, if you combine computer visionated expected goals that know where the goalkeeper and the defenders are in every shot, and then you combine that with, you know, any sort of like ball progression metric, you're going to, you're going to just have much more clear information and actionable information than you would otherwise. So speaking of, let's go into the XG. So uh, people are incredibly sick of expected goals, James. <laughs> Certain people are. It, I st- it's still, it's still having its moment in the sun. It's still growing. It's still, you know, you see it in more and more TV broadcasts. I think when was it? It was probably four or five years ago. I think you first you wrote an article about like, you know, how can you get XG on TV, or you know, because we'd first seen like the first you know smatterings of XG on TV, and it was like, it's it's in most broadcasts. Uh, that I watch anyway, I think uh, at least at least put the numbers up now just to say like, well, you know, that was the shape of the game. And I I, I, agree, I appreciate that, you know, the, the tension between the value of a single game expected goals, um, you know, values versus, uh, you know, the actual purpose of expected goals being more longer term will persist. But, you know, it's, it's, it's useful to kind of understand the Champions League final. A great example, Liverpool. Um, the, that argument has has uh, raged this week over. You know, Liverpool had 24 shots. Madrid had four. Kind of like two to one in expected goals. But I think we had it a little bit higher for Liverpool. And then people people arguing like, you know, oh, well, Liverpool created this much, but how much did they? You know, did, was it enough? I don't know. If you know, if you give give me that kind of that kind of blueprint for the, before the game and said this is what Liverpool will do I'd be I'd say they'd be very happy with that and expect to win and you know I think well, our, our expectations had Real Madrid um, even with the one the biggest chance of the game the goal uh, they were still only kind of like 7% to win the game so yeah yeah, it's, that's, it, that was an interesting subplot <laughs> yeah it is and you know obviously like Liverpool created a great chance and, or sorry like I apologise I meant to say Madrid created an excellent chance and that's all they needed and you know, it's football is variant. Like we, we like the fact that like oftentimes mm. teams can play worse and, and still win. And sometimes the reason why teams play worse, quote unquote, is that they were in the lead. Uh, but sometimes it's that like they just weren't creating much and they were hoping to, to get a little bit lucky and they were willing to go with penalties in a knockout competition. And, and they just happened to get a goal. And that happens. Um, so there's this whole hmm, how do I say this? There's this whole concept around expected goals that we should probably walk through for the more newcomers. Um, <clears throat> and if you're a newcomer and you've gotten to this point in the podcast, <laughs> well done you. Uh, <laughs> but um, so it's it's best in aggregate. It is better than at sort of predicting future success or you know describing uh, what has happened in the game than certainly shots and, and definitely than goals, which are a very low frequency event. Uh, not necessarily than than sort of on ball value possession model type stuff, but you know goals and shots are still the currency of football. Uh, so it, it is it's not it's it not as good at determining trophies though, is it? There's your there's your pushback. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So I mean, look, James and I actually kind of stand in the middle of of both the the traditional real football men, but also like the quants. So the quants would be like never use single shot expected goals numbers. Like well. Sort of like it still is better at describing like what happened on a shot, right? Like it doesn't have nearly as much predictive value. But if you have good single shot expected goals numbers, which you can obtain by having better data um, and, and better models, then like, you know, it's it, it gets to the point that it feels useful and it feels descriptive 
of yeah. what people are watching on the television. And if you read Twitter and you look for stats bomb mentions, you will see this again and again. It's just like, yes, that felt more legitimate and more accurately reflected what I felt about that chance than other company that, that you know, does it differently. Again, talking about, um, you know, the courses that we used to do, one of the parts of that was explaining expected goals and one of the parts of that was a fun little game, uh, you know, guess the XG and people invariably blow the plot here three years after releasing the course but no worries um if people invariably overestimate the the likelihood of a shot going in from most situations um, especially in, headers in, yeah definitely had head, headers in particular uh, close in much harder than people think james um, says courses we used to do i i feel <laughs> as if i would not be a business ceo if i didn't mention that two of those courses are still available on the they are for exchange of money goods and services etc um <laughs> one course is not and it's never coming back like we are not doing this i port people keep asking don't again. they people keep never asking again it. it's done it's it, like it's, it is run its course that course uh and i've made a fortune we've... selling it on the black market I've, honestly it's, i'm joking honestly hmm. <laughs> right roll up roll up uh, get your get your <laughs> ted Knutson set piece course you just like open the trench coat and there's <laughs> yeah. like set piece course DVDs yeah. on there. Go nuts. Anyway. I used no, to think you were just three <laughs> three eight year olds in a trench coat, but now I know you're a black market set piece. I just, yeah, just just for the sake of clarity, I am joking. That's just and, my personality. And cl- James will definitely sell you a classic Seiko. <laughs> yeah. Or not. That's my collection. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, expect to go. So what have we done, Ted? That's that's where we're getting back to. What have we done? We've done nothing. You and I have no, done fuck true. all. That's true. We've got <laughs> we've got really talented data scientists who who realise that as part of a journey to somewhere else. You know. Right. So this is this is actually pretty important, and uh, I'm gonna stop screwing around here. Um, so there's a lot of stuff, and actually, like I loved a lot of the visualizations that are in this piece. Uh, you can find it on the website. It's there under upgrading expected goals. Like Google will find it for you. There's also a lot of history of expected goals, and you know, in 2018 we launched the new data, uh, and we had where the goalkeeper was, which was a big driver in shot expectation because not having the guy that can use his hands in the way is is pretty useful. Um, and then the you know the the players in between the ball and the goal are also pretty useful. So that was like the first thing that we did, um, and that was like a nice hefty upgrade and still fundamentally probably the most important thing that has happened uh, in data since since that time. And then the, the next thing we launched, uh, I think in 2020, was actually shot impact height. So we collected the ball height when it was struck, uh, thinking that that would potentially have an impact on whether or not uh, a shot was likely to be a goal. And it did. Uh, and, and the most important learning of that is that shots from the, from the ground that are like literally on the ground are much easier to score, which was a slightly interesting uh, yeah, no, I think I think what we we, we were we were more expecting like the height you know heights of shots to be more indicative, but it was actually the lack of height that was most indicative. If that makes sense, <laughs> I mean it's kind of the same thing, right? But it was uh, you know that was the strongest finding that came out of that. That yeah, you you know if you your shots on the ground, then you're you're happy days. Small shot syndrome, something like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. So, but here's the thing: everybody thought that this was mined out. And what we have found and, and what you do find from working with different data sets over the course of years is that sometimes you just end up with insights that come to you much later. And you're like, hmm, maybe I'm going to pick at that thing. And, and being thoughtful 
and 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 sometimes slow is is actually quite valuable in in unlocking new stuff. So uh, according to Dinesh's uh, piece, which is excellent, you should read in entirety. Uh, the new model has an improved response to blocker or goalkeeper positioning. So we've we've upgraded effectively what's in the data around blockers and goalkeepers. Uh, we've got improved reliability on long shots and shots from unusual situations. Those of you who've modeled this, yeah. go ahead and explain it, James. No, no. I mean, this this always this always comes out like you know you'll see a, a, a shot from a corner that goes in. Well, it's not. It's only a shot if it goes in, or the keeper saves it, right? So it kind of it thinks the models tend to think that. Uh, you know, the, this type of shot has a higher likelihood of going in than it actually does. Yeah, and most why are shots down a halfway line, like yeah. one in ten chances? And yeah, well, they're not, are they? It's a selection bias inside <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, so, so yeah, being able to deal, deal with that more reliably and um, maybe I have seen other models out there that are still falling down at that point well that, mean, that would yeah, be wrong for me to say really I, that's not something i should bring up right now it's no. just literally one of the first things that happens <laughs> I, you, yeah. you're like okay there's this weird bias in actually taking a shot and part of it is is how it's recorded right like if a corner is claimed by the goalkeeper like it probably isn't a shot but and how often are those intended to be shots is like always the question also like the cross versus the goal. yeah yeah like those are those are things that, you know, data is inherently subjective. You try and, and collect things as objectively as possible. But sometimes in order to pass the validation, it literally has to be collected as something yeah, that you're like, hmm. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's also a complete subplot there. But, you know, the, what, what is a shot? What is a, what is a pass? What is a specific type of event? It's it's invariably harder than than you know the casual person might casual what viewer might actually think um, to create a reliable data set and you know there's a lot of training that has to go in and a lot of kind of reviews and conversations and you know what are we what are we looking at what was that I think the classic one is um, you know yeah a corner comes in and it skims off someone's head and goes out for a throw in well if that doesn't skim off their head and powers in into the top corner that's a shot right so where where do you draw the line on those kind of things so um yes yeah, it's, it's always difficult but you know we we've looked to kind of like improve the certainly improve the kind of uh, outputs that we're getting out of our expected goals model and kind of in, well you'll get to it now as you continue to describe the features that we've got here so a big element of the, the feature upgrades is focused on goalkeepers. And, and I think goalkeepers inherently has been a difficult thing to, to tuck into from an analytics perspective, partly because it's so odd. And actually, football treats goalkeeping coaches as if they're their own weird entity. Uh, they, <laughs> they almost exist in silos. Hey, go work out the goalkeepers. Uh, you know, like, is, like okay. Uh, and, and you do it by yourself. And in fact, for those of you who've made it this far, uh, Statsbomb have actually hired head of goalkeeping and set pieces uh former swedish national team actually current swedish national team goalkeeping coach uh mats elfendahl uh, he has been hired by us to work on on goalkeeping stuff for us um he's also excellent on the set pieces side and we're super excited to have him join us uh so yeah we care about this a lot and so a lot of the the upgrades in this were partly focused on how do we better credit goalkeeping contribution uh, in different aspects of goalkeeper contribution. So we now have a better understanding of goalkeeper positioning and its contribution to suppressing XG values. And I, I'll say this isn't, this isn't done yet. I think Mats and I have, have both worked on kind of potential experiments that we could do on the training side to, to learn more about that. Like, you know, if a, if, a, if a goalkeeper is closing down quickly on a 1v1, 
Like, does that make them more or less likely to be able to to sort of snuff the chance? Uh, I think than than otherwise, right? Um, and so those are interesting. Uh, understanding of finishing skills is uh, is improved by decoupling of chance quality and shot execution. So tuck into this one because finishing skills had a long timeline of analysis, and and in some cases it has been slightly hmm, counterfactual. I think to what people think about the game. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it's quite interesting because um, some of the uh, the uplifts that uh, Dinesh has actually derived from from the the new model actually, you know, you've got to pass the sniff test here, and when you've got um, you know, someone like people like Messi and Lewandowski, like you know, is huge kind of like positives in that regard. Serge Nabry's the one. I, I mean, I don't watch much Bayern, and I've never watched uh, never watched much Serge Nabry um, outside occasional Champions League games. But he he pops he pops on these numbers, um, and he, he seems to be kind of been rumoured to uh, potentially be leaving Bayern. So he's certainly an interesting signing else, elsewhere. Um, but yeah, players like Kane as well, and then you've got someone like Zeko or Werner who come pop at the other end. Uh, you know, maybe their their execution is uh, not so not so hot. I think I saw one chart that, that Dinesh had built, and it was talking about Mane, and I thought Mane was interesting because uh, I think it was he'd split it out into um, what is it precision versus kind of like it was almost like a precision versus power or something. So it's like shot velocity, something that's coming out of this as well, and uh, the, the kind of the loose uh, analysis of Mane was that he kind of like gets the ball on target rather than places it. And it's I, you can kind of see that I think I think that's quite an intuitive finding rather than you know your messy type who's rarely kind of absolutely laces it home and you know often you know places it into the corners and that kind of thing. That messy guy's pretty good. <laughs> he's, he's in the right place on the chart. That's the bottom line. You know. Although uh, if you if you saw the news this week, he was also one of the you know quite a number of professional athletes who have struggled. With COVID, which, you know, if, if your job is to be elite fit um, and, you know, that takes a lot of VO2 max and a lot of, you know, your, your lungs working properly uh, and then you have a severe bout of COVID, like you can understand how it would negatively impact these players. But, you know, the, the show very much has, has had to go on uh, across all different sporting leagues around the world. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was interesting. No, it is because uh, I think, you know, one of the, you know, people's Wikipedia pages, like celebrities who have Wikipedia pages, have invariably got a appeared on reality show section, right? And that's that's the you know this is kind of like this isn't really James. what they do. I, you'll see where I'm going. You'll see where I'm going. <laughs> Some sports people have now got had COVID on this date as like this kind ah, of as this kind I, of I, section. I was a hundred percent that you were going to talk about Michael Owen's daughter on Love Island. I have no idea what that is. Oh my god! No, that's, <laughs> that, that is outside my uh, outside my knowledge. But um, allegedly. Yeah. But so so yeah so like yeah you know this had COVID on nineteenth of June twenty twenty uh, and then had it on another day and it's yeah it's it, it, these, this 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 kind of like factual report just sits there. Someone had COVID. I mean, a lot of what forty, fifty, sixty percent of us had COVID now, and I guess we don't really understand yet or much. Um, the the real impact on those things it, it it will probably come out over time, but there probably are players that have you know seemed out of form or not come back to you know the levels that they've you know they've they've had before. Um, it, it's probably too early to really say, and obviously it's obviously not something that players going to advertise about themselves. I'm not as good as I used to be. If or, if I'm like I said, I'm definitely claiming that for this last season. I'll be oh, I'll be fine in the summer. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, I didn't then. see that. Am I going to get in trouble? <laughs> no, Sorry. it's fine. Okay. Good. It's fine. What else have we got? We hinted on shot velocity, which was quite interesting, wasn't it? Because that's something that we've, um, you know, that I think Dinesh has worked quite hard to kind of uh, get out of the model and put it into... Some people were surprised it wasn't in the post-shot DXG model in the first place, but I think it's one of those things that, you know, you've got to be quite confident that the the, the numbers you're getting out of the data are reliable enough and incorporating them in a certain way um, so that you're not, you know, you're not kind of like skewing it. This, this, the, there's still aspects around um, expected goals that will will be difficult. Um, the, the goalkeeper that's um, been put out of position by a cutback um, and, you know, left an open goal kind of thing. Not really the goalkeeper's fault, is it? But, you know, when, from a modelling perspective, that's something that's you know, I remember, hard to deal with. I, I remember looking at that with Derek very early on. I was mm. like, show me, the, show me the teams that regularly have the goalkeeper out of position. Because uh, I think that that has like an element of so like in in an attacking function, that's interesting. That's an interesting style of play that actually you might want to hone in on. It might be a, a sort of plus EV moniker for coaches that can coach a, an attack better than the others because they're regularly creating spots where the goalkeeper's out of position, which then means they're creating you know more open space to be able to score goals, easier chances in that way. Uh, so like the finishing skill stuff is, as you were talking about, is quite a long history of it, and and you we. We would argue about, hey, is this guy a better finisher than other ones? Do some guys have like sweet spots that they're capable of finishing quite well, like Sergio Aguero on that that sort of like tight mm. right angle that is also in the the course that James has mentioned before. Mm. And then the velo thing is is like, so the the one that I remember the most is Lucas Podolski. He hit a ball truer than almost anybody that I can remember on a regular basis. Like mm. his foot was the fucking hammer of Thor. And he, when he caught hold of it, it would go so fast. And Harry Kane, I think, is a more recent example. Uh, Son also, like, a very true striker of the ball, but with both feet, which is even more unique. Like, Son actually is a unicorn. He just Korean unicorn. Unlike Bakayo Saka, who had an inflatable unicorn at the England camp. Come on, James. <laughs> I just wondered where you're going with that. <laughs> Anyway, shot velocity is really important, um, but it is also super variant inside of people's data. And timestamps are, are problematic, and like we know where all the bodies are buried in our data and everybody else's data <laughs> because we've used a lot of it. Um, and so we, we were slow to bring it in because we wanted to be more comfortable with the data quality around this type of stuff. And now we are much more comfortable with it, uh, partly because like we started using computer vision to, to collect a lot of this information. Uh, so the timestamps are much cleaner. And it does have, you know, you can just think of it in goalkeeper terms. Like, hey, somebody hit the ball harder. Therefore, I have less time to react to a shot. Therefore, it's harder to save as long as it is on target. Like, all of these things add up. Um, and, you know, do you credit that for you know, the, the chance quality initially? No. But in terms of finishing and the post-shot expected goals model, then yes. And, and so it's now in there and it has some element of signal and it is valuable. So we're, we're super excited that that is finally in there. Although you should show skepticism if it's in other places, not on our data, because um, you just don't think that other people's data is, has the quality to be able to re rely on that, on a shot-by-shot -shot basis especially. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, this stuff is difficult. And, you know, again, we, we've credited him already, but, you know, the work that Dinesh and his team have done uh, to get stuck into this is, you know, really impressive. And, you know, we're lucky that we've got high quality data scientists that can actually like solve these problems. Um, similar, similar story over in American football. Do you want to mention American football briefly, Ted? I think it feels like it would be remiss to not mention it at all. 
I know this feels like a very salesy pod, and it's not. Uh, it's not intended to be that way. Like, this is literally what we do all day, every day. Have done this for five plus years. We're in our sixth year as a company, as Das Bomb. Uh, I'm in my ninth year of sort of nerd analytics, and uh, I started in sort of sports data usage in like 2005. So it's been a long while. Um, you know, when we talk about this stuff, like honestly, this is what we live, and we care about the work. Uh, so, you know, it's, it sounds like, Hey, we're taking shots at other people's data. It's like, no, this is just literally the world that we have helped create because we wanted to have better data to answer these football problems. And we've seen a lot of response to that. Um, I haven't done much soccer work. I'm going to call it soccer because we have another football. Um, I haven't done much soccer work in recent times. I've done, I've done a bit and I've done some set pieces stuff with, uh, with one of our customers and, but I haven't broadly uh, followed a lot of leagues. And in, in fact, like if we, if we tried to do this podcast, like we used to do this past year, I would have failed utterly because I just have not followed almost anything. I can give you an update Arsenal. on the top four race, um, in the premier league, if you'd like. <sighs> yeah. Please tell me, did someone hire Conte in North London? Because I said that that would be a really good thing. If, uh, if any team wanted to change their manager, cause he's very talented. It worked so, a charm. Yeah. So <laughs> no hiccups so Ars- along the way. Arsenal finished fourth, right? Uh, nearly fourth. We mm. should congratulate them on getting back yeah. into Europe after a couple of mm. seasons out. Mm. <laughs> That's enough about that. Anyway, American football. Um, so yeah, I I have spent I'm since the depths of the the early pandemic actually sort of chewing on American football. Um, I I remember talking to Derek Yam in 2019. We were about to do our course in New York, the first time that we had done mm. uh, in-public courses, so like a long time ago. And I asked Derek, I said, hey, Derek, I think we're going to do an American football uh, data spec in, in the future. Would you prefer to work on football or, or stay on soccer? Uh, and he's like, oh, well, you know, I'm not sure. Let me think about that. And then uh, within the next month, he announced that he was going to the Baltimore Ravens. So uh, Question kind of answered. answer. <laughs> <laughs> he's still there as well he's, he's, we, we caught up with him for the well, first time I've seen him since I think um, at Sloan in March and it was great to see him um, I think I think he tore an ACL so get, get well soon Derek um, did he? oh wow but, uh, but yeah so we've been thinking about this a long time and part of it is because American football is actually sort of in a similar inflection point with use of data uh, yeah, they've They've kind of started to, to be much more aggressive on fourth down calls uh, in a way that, you know, data helps you sort of have some clarity around. Also, uh, going for two as opposed to one, again, like the, we've seen small changes in that. But these are the early changes, and it has taken a long, hard slog to get here. And, and I think teams have been, like, pretty resistant around some of that stuff. Um, but now, like, you know, it, it's certainly open. And, and I think there are a lot of, having talked to them, a lot of smart NFL teams. Um, so I actually took, like, six months. Uh, in late 2020 to maybe it's four, but to talk to people about like what the holes were and to really kind of attack the problem. Like, was there space for us to create a data spec that was interesting and different? And uh, what we realized was that a yes, there was uh, partly because like the, the lead competitor here uses some some subjective terms, and we tried to get away from sub- subjective terms and proxies inside of the the soccer data. Like it was super important for us to be able to do that to more accurately reflect what happens on the on the field or the pitch. Um, so we did that, and then we designed the data, and that took a while as well. And it is the biggest, beefiest like. It is such a hard data spec to create and collect. And we've, we've, 
we've now worked 14 months on it and it's finally ready. Um, it, it is so, it has so much info in it. Uh, in fact, like in, in the launch piece today, I, I kind of like put the, the meme about taps the hood or taps the roof of it. You can fit so much info in this bad boy and we have. And honestly, like it is gonna change how people coach and analyze the game of football because they've never had access to this type and quality of data across all the positions. And they've never had uh, access to the tools that we're gonna provide to everybody. Like this is gonna democratize the stuff that is available only to the elite pros. We're gonna create this and we're gonna take it down into the college space and then into the FCS space and then eventually into high schools, I think like we'll do that as well. Uh, so I'm super excited about it. It has been a spectacular amount of work, not just from me, but from our whole team. Our ops team has crushed it. Uh, Yahya, Ali, uh, AI, and, and CV have, have done a great job and will continue to do a huge job on this. Like it is such a mammoth undertaking. It's lovely to get this out the door. And for those of you who've never kind of created products or new stuff, uh, one, it's so much harder than anybody ever thinks. <laughs> it's so, so much harder. And two, it is also one of the most rewarding and fulfilling experiences when you finally get to launch it and introduce it to the world over time. So if you ever get a chance, I, I highly recommend it. There we go. Cool. Anything else you want to hit on today, Ted? Well, we're going to, you know, we're going to sort of content market this forever, but we're going to talk a lot more about what's in the American football data spec over the course of the next month. And then, um, yeah, the new expected goals model should go live for the new season. And you're going to get a lot more information as Dinesh has, has written up here about chance quality, which is better execution from post shot, both the shot taker and the goalkeeper, which starts to let you, you know, dial up finishing, um, finishing ability, uh, which is you know something you care about. And actually, you probably care about it in your youth teams as well. We're seeing a lot more teams collect their academy games to create integrity and pathways between the youth team and the senior team. Um, goalkeeper positioning shot uh, suppression, uh, shot stopping suppression, uh, divorced from positioning, which is also interesting. Uh, and, and yeah, better expected goals maps as well. James, do you have anything coming out in, so James oversees the IQ products and stuff like that. You have anything coming out this summer that you wanted to yeah, mention I mean, before we wrap this up? Yeah, I mean, 360 metrics, uh, we've got some new 360 metrics that are being worked on at the moment. They're gonna come through. Um, during the summer i imagine we should mention live as well we've got live live collections being running uh, throughout this season uh, we've had lots of if you see the stash bomb yeah if you see the stash bomb match days uh that's usually run by ollie walker on the, the english side and they've been really cool and we've obviously had some great champions league matches to cover or you know the the europa league final was really cool as well uh, yeah, so that's that's part of the the new product. That one took us a long time as well, um, just because the the live data out there was was pretty good for what you can do in live. Uh, so we've been building lots of tools on top of it, and we do still have. In fact, this this new expected goals model aligns with that um, with that live data as well. So it's the same model across live and um, and post game, uh, which means that you're going to get a lot better information in your live space than anybody else in the market is. Producing? Ultimately, yeah, you'll get things like live OBV as well. So it's 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 pretty good. There's the the you know the pathway through all this is um, pretty fun, and then the 360 integrations as well. Like you know, all these products end up you know it's talking to each other, empowering each other, and such. And you know, it's it's a pretty wide and interesting package that we can create for you know any organization from you know media levels, gambling teams, you know analysis. Uh, recruitment, all all the things that we kind of like touched over the years are, you know, well served nowadays. Women's Euros is this summer. Mm. 
I heard a rumor that we're going to give away some data around that. Yeah, I believe so. I think that's the plan. Uh, I think we're going to collect it in 360 as well and uh, put that on the yeah, data hub to work with. There's a couple of, uh, there's um, the, our conference is coming in September 20th. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> there's a research paper competition there, uh, which will enable people to get their hands on some data and uh, come and join that event, which is has been really good uh, the two times we've, we've held it and you know great chance to meet and greet uh, people from the football world and of course your good self um Ooh, yeah i'm i'm gonna be there really? <laughs> i Excuse imagine me. you'll be there ted i imagine you'll be there uh we have one confirmed speaker that we're super excited about and john Byrne murdoch um, mm-hmm. uh, that's doing a keynote we also have someone from Liverpool that confirmed last night. We've got, uh, let's see, someone from Red Bull Group, um, someone from David Beckham's team, who might be David Beck is not David Beckham. Um, <laughs> maybe one or two other super celebrity uh, guests. You're desperately trying not to blow Marcus Marcus's trumpet here. Right? They're there, they've got, we've got this stuff to announce at some point. They get so angry at me. <laughs> They've I'm the only one that's allowed to leak. Everybody else gets put a leash on you, Ted. They've shut you down. All right. God bless my uh, No, it's, it's going to be great. Uh, tickets are actually <laughs> available. Uh, you should expect us to put on a great show at Wembley. Um, and in past yeah, years, Wembley. It's been that's cool. Fantastic. We had it at Stamford Bridge last couple of times, but we felt we've outgrown that a little bit. So Wembley, Wembley next, which is um, yeah, that's going to be really fun. Yeah, and I wanted to, you know, encourage everybody, if you want to work in, in the football space at some point, like, definitely take a whack at some of the research paper ideas and concepts. Like, people yep. just get hired out of here, and they're going to need so many more. And, you yep. know, multilingual is a huge deal as well, because this is spreading all over the world. Um, e- engineers has been this year's thing, isn't it? Data engineers, everyone's perked up and said like yeah we could do with a bit of that but the, yeah the, the the historical lineage of people doing research papers in the you know the various places that you can do them your sloans and your r conferences and the old opta forums and such like they they, they the lineage of that is just so strong for getting into this world um absolutely littered with people that are now working um you know doing well in in soccer and, and people will hire direct from twitter all the time like all the time, uh, you know, whether you you see that for a job posting or whether someone just says, hey, I really like that person's work. Let me get in touch with them because I think they might be an interesting fit for position X, Y, Z. That happens. Uh, so, yeah, I just encourage you, if you're interested in the space, it is going to grow so, so much in soccer. Uh, right now, it's having its growth phase. In American football, I promise you, three years from now, it's going to look real different. And there are going to be so many more people that are needed to fill those roles. That's it. All right. We cool. done? Yeah, we done. I, I also heard a rumor that we were thinking about a weekly podcast that would not aggravate all of our customers <laughs> for next year. I will tell you, if you made it this far, if you would like to see that, possibly in a betting-related context, you should contact us on Twitter and tell us that you'd be stoked about hearing James talk about gambling <laughs> every single week. Uh, okay. That'd be interesting. And if not, you should tell us that too. Like, Let's talk horse racing. Oh, no, no. Who are you talking horse already? racing? <laughs> horse racing is good. Anyway, on that note, <laughs> let us de- let us depart. All right. Goodbye. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. Cheers, bye. bye.